But today I want us to look into a concept of discernment. How many of you are interested in knowing what, it, what, it, what discernment is really all about? Right? And sometimes what we do is we take a Bible concept like discernment and we import our spin or definition of something. How many of you know everything in life is being redefined right now? Love is being redefined. Marriage is being redefined. The family is being redefined. I mean, uh, so, many, so many terms are being redefined, right? Also, so that we can, in fact, have a conversation with somebody and we can speak right past each other, not knowing that, you know, we, we're all talking about love, but everyone in that conversation has a different definition of what love really looks like. And God said, for, he, he, for, for, he so, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And we will read that, for instance, the word so as an indication of God's intense love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When in fact, it's for God in this way loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave His Son. So in that, when you see it that way, you realize, okay, well, God's love has to do with God's sacrifice and God's willingness to give. For God, in this way, loved the world. Dave, it's a little too cold in here. Sorry, I knew it. I made it cooler on that side. Dave, Dave, not that side, this side. Yeah, I, I just did that. On... Thank you, Tony, for just giving me that little indication. Like, <laughs> No, it's okay. We got, we, got, we got some blankets in the back. <laughs> we got a snowsuit in the back. Somebody get it for Tony. <laughs> David might be both sides. I don't know. Yeah. When, you, when you attempt to understand scriptures as it's been given to us, when we understand the author's original intent... Uh, we, we see certain things about certain terms. For instance, the love of God. It not being sentimental, but it being sacrificial. And he says, now you husbands love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. And so again, it's not necessarily, not that it's not sentimental at all, but when he was telling us there to love our wives, he was telling us there to love our wives in a very sacrificial way. For God, in this way, loved the world of believers that He gave His only begotten Son upon the cross. My point I'm trying to make is oftentimes, oftentimes we have a, um, oftentimes we have a definition, but a modern definition of a term. And this is what we are finding, this is what we are finding in the word discernment that discernment isn't us importing a subjective, mystical concept as much as what it is having the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. But that ability comes from somewhere, and this is what we're going to look at today. You see, discernment is something every person ought to have. Every single person in the body of Christ needs to be discerning. How could we keep from falling in Satan's trap unless we are discerning? 
How could we know if we are choosing what is right? How do we know we're not choosing the wrong thing if we don't have this ability to discern? With our discernment, how could we possibly know if, we aren't chase, if we're chasing after God? How do we know we're not chasing after a false God? Or some deceiving voice who claims to be God? You see, with our discernment, how do we know we aren't living a lie? Scriptures warn us from beginning to end. It says, uh, watch out for doctrines of demons. Watch out for destructive heresies. Watch out for myths. Watch out for perverse teaching. Watch out for commandments of men. Watch out for speculations. Watch out for deceitful spirits. Watch out for worldly fables. Watch out for false knowledge. Watch out for empty philosophies. Watch out for traditions of men. Watch out for worldly wisdom. And if you think about it, there's a major emphasis in warning given to us regarding all these deceptions. And how would we know? How would we watch out for these? Had we, did we not have discernment? Jesus said wolves come in sheep's clothing. Paul said wolves come in and will not spare the flock. Paul wrote to Timothy and said that as the age goes on, evil men would get worse and worse. So, family, as a pastor, I just want to tell you that it's very important for us to know we need to have discernment. Without discernment, there's no way to watch out for all of those things that are, in fact, actively coming up against you right now. Imagine somebody not having discernment. What would they do? When doctrines of demons come to them, destructive heresies, myths, perverse teachings, commandments of men, speculate, they fall into every single one of those traps. All of them. You see, there's nobody, uh, there's only one way, excuse me, of heeding Scripture's warning against all of these deceptions, and that is really discernment. And not just discernment, but practicing it. And we'll see in scriptures that discernment is, in fact, something you practice. It's, it's you know, I might be good at piano only if I practice. <laughs> you know, I'm not good at piano. I'm just saying I, I used to. <laughs> but what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about when I was at college, um, that was a long time ago. Wow. In the early 90s. <laughs> uh, you know, four hours is a, it was, was, a, was an a, a average day. But it doesn't matter what gift you have unless you develop that gift. You're not going to be really good at anything, right? But the same thing is true for discernment. Discernment needs to be practiced and needs to be developed. And I'll show you that Paul actually says that to us. I also want to propose that the reason our society is in so much confusion about so many things today, whether it be gender or everything else in between, is because of this inability to discern, to discern. You know, if you, there's one, one sure way of being deceived, and that is to be led by your feelings instead of by scriptures, no matter how you feel. There's one sure way that I will be deceived, and that is if I ask myself, well, how do I feel about this? 
Am I a male or am I a female? Let me see how I feel. You know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like for instance, this week wasn't wall to wall, you know, and I'm, I got my earphones on in the house, and the house is a little small, and I'm like, okay, I've got to just focus, you know, you like sometimes you have to just like focus. So what I do is I put earphones on, sound blocking earphones, noise blocking earphones, and I listen to, I listen to um, like ocean sounds and thunder, right? Thunder takes out the bottom end of all the noise and ocean sound takes out the top end of all the noise, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna focus now. I gotta focus because if it's really like 11 o'clock at night almost and I'm like starting to work and work and work and the next thing is my little peanut, Gia, she picks up my earphone. Would you rather be a unicorn or would you like to be a donkey? <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I thought, you know, sweet. I said, <laughs> you want to have these moments for the rest of your life, you know. <laughs> so I said, sweetheart, I would like to be a unicorn that has a donkey as a best friend. <gasps> it's like she never thought of that. She could be a unicorn and have a donkey as her best friend, right? So she could have the best of both worlds. <laughs> She's like, <sighs> You know, it's an amazing thing. Like, imagine I buy into the fact that my daughter's a unicorn. Are you kidding me? That's about as stupid as it could ever be. The sure way for anybody to fall into worldly fables, lies, traditions of men, and worldly wisdom, and false knowledge, is to even train your little child. Well, then, how do you feel? What are you? Oh, you're not a boy, you're a girl, all right. You know, like, how absolutely insanely stupid is this of adults to fall into it? But I want to say to you, I understand, and we should understand as to why the world becomes so um, um, intellectually dysfunctional. And that is because they fall into all of these things only because they have no ability to discern. Discernment is what's lacking. It's discernment that's not there. And until discernment comes into our lives and we practice discernment, we too will have areas in our lives, thanks Dave, we too will have areas in our lives where, where we land on, on something real crazy. We make some crazy decisions. And so... We are commanded in scriptures to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. It says in Romans 12, 9, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. That's why oftentimes they look at Christians today and say, you got, they are such haters. Well, the Bible tells us to abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Yet we find, instead of our culture loving good and hating evil, guess what? Loving evil and hating good. 
Why? No discernment. Can't discern between good and evil. And because they can't discern between the two, oh, they'll just grab onto what seems right to them. It is discernment that gives a person the ability to point to evil and call it evil. And it's discernment that gives the person the ability to point to good and call it good. That's why you can turn on the news and go, like, that's evil. Why? You got discernment. You can turn on the news and go, that's evil. Why? Because it's discernment. <clears throat> King David, in 2 Samuel 14, 17, we see it says, yes, the king. Now, this is the Israelites speaking about King David. He says, yes. They say, yes, the king will give us peace. I know that you are like an angel of God. King David, you are like an angel of God, they said, because you can discern good from evil. May God be with you. This is why we are going to have peace, because our king knows how to discern good from evil. If you have a president that can't discern good from evil, like my next appointee at the Supreme Court is going to be a woman. So she sits down and they ask her, what's a woman? She goes like, I don't know. <laughs> so the point is just, there is peace in a nation when a king has discernment. And that's what they were looking for. It was David's ability to discern. They even saw him as an angel from God because he had so much discerning so much discernment. And what honor he received for being able to discern. Well, because he was able to discriminate between right and wrong, judge between good and evil, evaluate righteousness from unrighteousness. Well, today, things are completely opposite. If a person discriminates between right and wrong, or when they judge between right and wrong, or evaluate between right and wrong, or you might say discern between right and wrong. Those are all the same terms. They're, un they're not tolerated. This is not the time where convictions are tolerated about anything. So if you're going to say, well, no, I don't judge, let me ask you, do you evaluate? Well, yeah, well, that's the same thing. Well, I really don't judge. Do you discern? Oh, you got no discernment. No, I got no discernment. I don't discern anything. I don't judge. I, don't, I'm, I have no discernment. That's in fact what they are saying when they say, I don't judge. Jesus said, do not judge in this way. Rather, judge in that way. That's what he said, if you read the whole portion. Don't judge in this way, but judge with righteous judgment. The only possible way to, to judge, evaluate, or discern righteously is to do it scripturally, right? Aren't you just tired of people saying, don't judge? Because you know why, you know why that rubs you up the wrong way? Didn't they just judge you? <laughs> they just judged you. And so David was celebrated because he was somebody who could discern, evaluate, discriminate between right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness. He was able to do that, and they felt safe with him because he was able to do that. You don't feel safe with a person who walks around going like, I don't discriminate between right and wrong. I don't, I don't judge. 
I don't discern anything. To me, I'm blind to anything you do. You don't feel safe with that person. King Solomon, he was the next. King Solomon was known for his power of discernment, making wise decisions and moral judgments. In 1 Kings 3, verse 9 through 12, it says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Give your servant an understanding mind to govern the people, that I may discern between good and evil. That I may discern between good and evil. You have to have, no, you have, to have knowledge of Scriptures in order to have the understanding of Scriptures. If you can have the understanding, God's understanding concerning things, you, when you have this understanding, you can govern with discernment. Discernment is rooted in the fact that you have understanding, and understanding is built upon the fact that you have knowledge of Scriptures. Does that make sense? If I read and I, and, I, and I have knowledge of how God deals with a certain situation, I have understanding of God's view, and if I have understanding of God's view, then I can discern righteously, judge righteously. You don't have any of these abilities outside of Scripture. The only thing you stand on when you make a decision is you stand on a Scripture, and that is how you can go, nope, yes. Yes, no. <laughs> right? So here we see that Solomon, the Bible says, give your servant therefore an understanding, and this is him asking God. Remember God said to Solomon, what do you want? I'll give it to you. He says, give your servant therefore understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Watch this. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked him this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, Solomon, and have not asked for, your, for, yourself, uh, have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. So like with King Solomon, the ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and lies was honored, was respected, was esteemed, was God, God smiles upon it. It was esteemed in the highest regard, and this is certainly no longer the case today. I mean, today, things are the exact opposite, right? The person with this specific developed gift of discernment is, in fact, hated. You have to abort your ability to discern in order to be loved by the world. That is why you will find... Carl Lenz or those kind of guys sit on the couch with Oprah Winfrey and have no opinion. Have you ever noticed? No opinion. Whenever they ask the question, they go, like, well, you know, like, I, I, I see it this way. I see it this way. <laughs> I saw a minister yesterday say, you know, the thing that whenever somebody says, well, well how, do you, how do you see this verse? He says, that to him is like nails on a chalkboard. Because what if you never existed? Then what were we going to do with this verse? <laughs> we, need your, 
We need your interpretation of it. No, we need the author's interpretation of it, right? And her hermeneutics is not an easy thing to do. That's why nobody does it. It's not easy to take a verse and go like, well, I'm going to have to understand this whole book before I can really understand that verse. I'm going to understand the author, who he was, where he came, what, why he was writing this, and who he was writing to, and what was going on in the day. And, and you know, you have the grammatical principle, and you have the literal principle, and you have the natural principle, and you... You know, I mean, there's just so many things to have to consider in order to really understand what the author was saying when he said it. But people don't like to be diligent students of the Word of God, but we need to be. Amen? And you are. Amen? So here's Solomon, and I want to show you something about this. People are very quick to say, well, God spoke to me. It's easier to say, God told me, than to have to go like, all right, let me work at this. Let me, let me be a diligent student, dividing the word rightly in order to see what God is actually saying. That's difficult. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to look for a subjective voice instead. Well, here's Solomon. Can I point out the fact that Solomon was, in fact, having a conversation with God? Right? Wasn't he saying, God... God said to him, hey, what do you want? He says, well, what I want, God, is I want discernment so I can know how to rule your people, divide right from wrong, good from evil. So what I would like is I would like to have wisdom from you so I can do the right thing. Today, people are not asking for wisdom and discernment. Today, people are asking, like, just speak to me. You want me to turn left here and find a parking spot in that area? I'll go. <laughs> so he was having a conversation with God. It wasn't like he couldn't hear God's voice. He could have very well just said. He could have very well just said, well, God, you know, all I want to do is I want to hear your voice from the morning to the evening all day long. That's all I want. So the moment the parking lot is not to my left but to my right, I want to hear it and turn there so I can find your perfect will for my life, right? So he could have asked that, like, God, every time I need to make a decision as king, I want to hear from you. He didn't say that because he was already having a conversation with God. He was already hearing God. He needed God's wisdom so that he could decide like God would have decided had God been in his position, in his shoes. God, help me see things your way with insight, understanding, and wisdom. And Lord, let me decide, let me make decisions with discernment the way you would have made decisions had you been in my shoes. When you raised your son, your daughter, you didn't say, now listen, just keep me on speed dial because you want to hear me give you advice on every single decision you will ever have to make for the rest of your life. No. You are training your child in wisdom so that your child will one day make decisions you would have made and better ones than you would have made, right? So God is, God is raising you up in wisdom as you study His Word so that you will have the knowledge and therefore the understanding 
of God's view on things, therefore you will have what is necessary to discern between right and wrong as God would have had he been in your family, in your shoes. Does that make sense? This is discernment. And this is what Solomon asked God for, even though they were having a conversation. And you will find many times the people who, who don't know scriptures and all they know is a personal subjective voice of God subject to their fear. Isn't it strange how God always tells the person exactly what they've always wanted to hear? I need you to go to Hawaii. Really, God? Yes, Hawaii. Oh, yes, Jesus. Send me, Lord. <laughs> you know, people tend to always hear God say exactly what they've always wanted to hear Him say at that time. But God honored Solomon for asking for discretion, uh, not discretion, for discernment. It's very closely related. So like with Solomon, it was respected, honored in the day, esteemed by God. However, today, those who publicly distinguish between right and wrong, who use discernment to point to good and evil, are often blocked on social media, of course, and sent to Facebook jail again, and canceled by culture. And, uh, uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm telling you, it's just that there is a push toward a place where you have to abort discernment. And I'm warning you not to do that because there's a whole entire list of warnings that, you, that you, we have to watch out for. Doctrines of demons and destructive heresies and myths and perverse teachings and commandments of men and speculations and deceitful spirits and worldly fables, false knowledge, empty philosophies, traditions of men, worldly wisdom. For those of you that don't know, I'm listing to you scriptures where we are warned. Those are all scriptures. Warnings, And the only way to heed that warning is to become discerning. Now, before we speak past each other using the same word, meaning different things, let's define discernment. The word discern is the Greek word in the New Testament. The word discern is the Greek word ana anakrino, and I have absolutely, you know, butchered the word. But it means this, to distinguish between one or the other, to separate out by diligent search, searching, searching, and then go like, this goes here and that goes there. To examine. Can everybody please say examine? So I don't discern if I'm not examining something. I have to hear both sides of the story. Remember the Bible says he, um, oh, now I'm stumped. Yeah, the one who pleases the cause in the first seems to be in the right until the second one brings his side of the story, right? He who, pleases, he who comes to you first with a story always seems right to you. They're like, oh, how dare he treat you like that? And then you hear his story and you go like, yeah, <laughs> now I don't even know. So don't rush to judgment. I mean, this is, our society loves to rush to judgment, don't they? But don't do that. Let something play out before you, you, you practice. That's part of practicing discernment, being wise, right? And so, 
The word discern in the New Testament is to distinguish, to separate out by diligent search, to examine something first. Discernment is therefore the ability to properly discriminate, evaluate, and judge. Now don't trip over the word discriminate because it's been, it's been again, changed in its meaning. But to discriminate is to evaluate. It's to say, uh, um, this is up, this is down, this is male, this is female. All right? The Word of God itself is said to discern or discriminate thoughts and intentions of one's heart. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active. In other words, the Bible that you're holding in your lap today is living, it's active, it's filled with the Spirit, Spiritful Scriptures. When you embrace it, you are embracing the Spirit. When you submit to your Scriptures, you are submitting to the Spirit of God. When you are led by the Scriptures, you are being led by the very Spirit of God, the very Word of God, the very voice of God. The Word of God and the voice of God is the same thing. And if you want to hear the voice of God, read it. If you want to hear it loud, read it loud, right? And so, Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Discerning. What is discerning again? Judging. Evaluating. Separating. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Word of God, as I read it, it's evaluating my heart. <laughs> That's what it's doing. It's discerning whether I actually have the right motive or the wrong motive, even though I'm doing the right thing. How many of you know doing the right thing with the wrong motive remains wrong before God? Right? And so I might be doing all the right things for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way, and though it looks right to everyone else, the Word of God comes and goes, I know it looks good to everyone else, but I put it in the evil category. Oh, come on, Jesus, really? <laughs> I so wished and hoped that this act could be put in the holy category. It's in the evil category. No. Holy Spirit, Word of God. Shh. <laughs> we was asking God to speak louder. He speaks so loud, that's why some of us can't sleep at nights, right? <laughs> it says that. It says it's, it's double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow, which is the closest part of your body, joints and marrow. It gets in there, even in there, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart evaluating and judging all of that. Discernment, therefore, is the ability to distinguish right from wrong, something our culture has completely lost the ability to do. Discernment is, therefore, the ability to separate good from bad, something hardly anybody gets right, at least not in, in our culture today, dividing truth from error. To discern is to look at an ideology or a doctrine or a theological position and to identify what is accurate about it and what is inaccurate about it, measured against Scripture and what is, you know, so in other words, everybody, everybody's a theologian. You know this, right? You can go, you can go downtown right now and you can 
interview 100 people and ask them a theological question, and they will answer you confidently. Because <laughs> everybody's a theologian. But guess why you just giggled at that? Because everybody's theology is on their terms and according to their understanding, opinion. Let me say it that way, their opinion. That's why they are theologians. They, if you say, is there a God? I'll tell you if there's a God or not. Are you right with God? I'll tell you if I'm right with God or not. Is, let's say, I don't know, abortion wrong? I'll tell you if abortion is right or wrong. No, I'll tell you. Well, how do they know? How are they so confidently speaking on all these matters? Because they actually measure everything by their litmus test of truth. They pull out of their back pocket their opinion and they use their opinion to measure everything with. To measure everything with this opinion. And they go, like, whoop, that's good. Whoop, that's evil. Whoop, this is right. Whoop, that's wrong. Whoop, you're judgmental. Whoa, you're judgmental. And, and how do, so they measure everything with a measuring stick called personal opinion. Yet, we are told here that the Word of God is what we use to measure everything by, our, even ourselves and our hearts and the intents of our heart. The Word of God is the measuring stick that tells you bad attitude. No, I don't. I'm smiling. Yeah, bad attitude. <laughs> so to discern is to look at an ideology, a doctrine, a the theological position, and to identify what is accurate about it, measured against scriptures, not my own opinion. However, according to Hebrews 4.12, it is the Word of God, the scriptures, that discerns all things. So it is the scripture that evaluates, it is the scripture that judges, it is the scripture that measures the righteousness or the wrongness of something. I love how Doug Wilson actually uh, taught on child rearing and how he, how he trained his children in discernment. What they would do is, they would sit down and watch a TV show, and then after the TV show, over coffee, They'll, he'll ask his children, he's, he'll ask them, so um, what ideology is being promoted or was promoted in that TV show we watched? Did you, did you discover the ideology? Or they'll read a book together and they'll say, okay, well, what, what issue is being pushed here? What policy or belief system is being sold? And then... So, okay, how does Scripture evaluate this kind of ideology? How does Scripture evaluate that kind of view, that policy, or that belief system? What does Scripture do? So, you were saying, okay, first, can you find the ideology? Can you discover what they're trying to sell you? And number two, can you measure that script or that thing they're selling you with a Scripture? Now, I know it sounds a little elementary, but are you getting something out of what it means to discern? Something real simple. You use the Scripture to measure everything by. And the kind of thing is, this kind of thing is important uh, because considering Hebrews 5, 14, it says, but solid food is for the mature. Now watch this quick. Solid food is for the mature. Somebody might say, well, I'm very spiritual. What they are trying to say is I'm very mature. 
you know, spiritually mature. He says, yeah, but he's going to explain to you what's, what a spiritually mature person looks like. He says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. Can everybody please say trained? trained. How? By constant practice <laughs> to distinguish good from evil. So as much as God is telling you practice evaluating stuff, Practice evaluating the show you just watched, the, the news you're watching right now, the decisions being made around you, the decisions made by family members. Evaluate stuff. Measure things all the time. Practice doing it by using scriptures. Well, if you don't know the scriptures, you couldn't do that. Anybody who doesn't know scriptures do not have discernment, period. Right? They cannot judge righteously. Because they do not have the knowledge of what God is saying, therefore they don't have God's understanding, and therefore they cannot make decisions as God would have made had He been in their shoes. And so, we have to practice this. Practice it with your children. Practice it with your spouse. We need to practice discernment. I want to read that to you again, Hebrews 5.14, just to drive it home. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. How? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We need to practice discernment. Jay Adams said this, quote, Discernment is to separate God's ways from all other ways. That's discernment. So who is the discerning person? Who is the discerning person? Number one, the person who acknowledges God's ways are right. The person who acknowledges God's ways are right. In Hosea 14, verse 9, it says, Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. So, what is he saying? Show me the discerning person. I'll tell... I'll tell you who the discerning person is. The one who says, the Lord said it, therefore it's right. The ways of the Lord are right. Now, what are we talking about? What's the subject matter? Because eventually, ultimately, I'll tell you if that is going to be good or evil based on what the Bible says, because the Lord has said it, and therefore it's right. That's what makes it right. God said it. It's not like God and I are having uh, sharing opinions and mine is superior to God's or God is superior. No, no. It's right because I am man and He is God. I am creator in, created and He is the creator. Amen? We have to know the holiness of God means what? Separation. Remember? God is holy in two ways. He's holy because He's separate from His creation he sits above the creation. He's not subject to what He created. In other words, He's not subject to time. He needs to be worshipped. We may not. God takes vengeance. We may not. Vengeance is not a wrong thing. It's just not ours to take. It's God's. He sits above His creatures. We cannot, we cannot know God by knowing each other. But people always say, like, well, you as a father, you as a father, would you ever punish your child in this way? 
Well, then neither would God ever do that. Do you remember the Pope said that? That little boy who said, my dad was an atheist. Where is he today? He died last week. And the Pope said, well, did he let you go to Catholic school or something? He goes, yeah. He says, well, then he's a good man, is he not? How would God ever reject a man like that? So my point is just like we cannot say, well, you know, fathers wouldn't do something like that to their children. Therefore, the heavenly father wouldn't do that to he. You know, like, honestly, God is God, and we forget who he is. Well, if God tells you to forgive, why doesn't he just forgive everyone? Why does he have to pour his judgment out on Christ? Why doesn't he just forgive like he tells you to forgive? He's God, and he's just. You and I aren't. We creatures, we have to obey. He's the one who gives the commands. <clears throat> the second way in which God is holy is that He is morally perfect. That's the second way. But the predominant way of His holiness is the fact that He is separate. He is separate from us, separate from sin, separate from darkness, separate from all things evil. Amen? So who is the discerning person? The one who says the ways of the Lord are right. Can you say that? The ways of the Lord are right. Yeah. God is right. Everybody else is a liar. That's what the Bible says. Everyone else is a liar. God's right. Now let's start there. The second way to know who the discerning person is, is that the person who uses Scripture to measure what is right and what is wrong. Psalm, 80, Psalm 8 verse 89 says, And the words of my mouth are just. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning all of them are right. To the discerning person, what's right? All the words that come from his mouth. So I use the words that come from his mouth, and I go like, evil, good, righteous, unrighteous. Because I take the words that come from God's mouth, which is the book you hold in your hands, and I measure everything by it. Who is the discerning person? Number three is the one who allows Scripture to measure, judge, and evaluate his own thoughts and his own attitudes. And our Scripture there was Hebrews 4.12, that it, the Word of God is a double-edged sword, even discerning my own heart. Charles Spurgeon said this. I thought this was so fantastically insightful. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Because if you, if you are going to be deceived by Satan, he's not going to give you something to bite into that makes you gag, right? He's going to give you that which looks good and good to the eye and healthy in every way. He's going to make you, he's going to deceive you by giving you something that's almost there, but it's wrong. It's almost like, if I was going to come and sell you a fake Rolex watch, trust me, um, you wouldn't buy into it if it looked like a $2 um, three-year-old toy, right? No, the, the closer it looks to the real thing, the more deceived you can become in thinking that it is the real thing. So Satan doesn't deceive you by giving you something that's blatantly out there like a pastor walking up on a stage with two horns on, you know, and a tail. Like, hey, let me give you the good news. No. <laughs> I 
I spend way too much time with Gia. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, there, uh, Satan comes to, comes to you when he comes to sell you all of these vain philosophies and doctrines of demons and destructive heresies and myths and perverse teachings and commandments of men and speculation, speculations and deceitful spirits and worldly fables and false knowledge and empty philosophies and, and worldly... When he comes to you as a wolf in sheep's clothing, he comes to you looking like the real thing, as close as possible to truth, but not totally truth. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. But that's evil. And you wouldn't know it unless you had discernment. There are many benefits to the discerning heart, and I'm going to close with this. In Proverbs 3, verse 21 and 24, it says, My child, don't lose sight of common sense. Wow. Does our world need this? Don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on them. Hang on them. Satan did not give you common sense. The devil did not insert that into you. <laughs> he says, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a neck necklace. They keep you safe on your way. And your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lay down and sleep soundly. In this portion of Scripture, we find four main benefits experienced by the person who has discernment. It will refresh this apart from the fact that they will not be deceived and apart from the fact that they will be able to judge between right and wrong and make good decisions, righteous decisions, godly choices in their life. You know, apart from that, discernment will refresh their soul Discernment will keep them safe from deception. Discernment will prevent them from stumbling. And it will remove the need to fear all things in life. This is big. Do you know that some, much of the weight that you carry much of the turmoil in your life is because you haven't yet made a decision regarding something. Have you ever noticed how troubled you are when you are between two choices and you haven't yet pulled the trigger on either of them? You're like, man, I don't know what to do with this. I've got to make a decision, man. I'm just, oh, I'm so burdened, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. What am I going to do? Man, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm like... I gotta, I gotta do this, all that, one of the two. If I do this, I don't get to do that. If I do that, I don't get to do this. I gotta decide. Oh my goodness, I'm so. And then guess what happens? You come right up to the end, last minute, and you make a decision. And the moment you make a decision, you go like, it's done. It's done. Suddenly, all of that term, all that confusion leaves because you've just made a decision. Making decisions are very, very important. It's a powerful thing, it frees you. Make a decision, move on. You know, um, thinking about buying a house and, you know, like, what do you do? Where's the market going? Like, make a decision and then move on. But to live in that confusion of what to do all the time is very strenuous. But the same thing is true for our relationships. 
uh, you know, we don't make decisions regarding people. You know, we don't. And then we regret it later on. We have to learn to make decisions, discern well, make decisions quick, and move on. Life is too short. How many of you feel like life has just kind of run away with us, right? So the benefits here is that it refreshes your soul. It keeps you safe. Prevents you from stumbling into heresies and all things wrong and evil. It removes the constant nagging of fear in your life. And then you can lay down and sleep soundly because you have made a great godly righteous decision after evaluating everything scripturally. And now you can sleep well. I want to pray this prayer over you as we close. Psalm 119 verse 125. Lord, your word says, I am your servant Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes and that I pray for every single one of our church family members. God, I pray that you give them discernment as they study your scriptures, that they will not find it to be some mystical, mystical thing to pursue after, but that they will know as they study your word, they have knowledge of your will Therefore, they will have understanding of your ways. And if they have understanding of your ways, now they have the ability to distinguish between right and wrong, discern between good and evil, evaluate that which is righteous versus that which is unrighteous. Make decisions like you would have made decisions had you been in their shoes and let them make those decisions, pull those triggers, Move forward and sleep well at night, knowing God that your will was just accomplished in their lives. Give them discernment, Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray that they will remain safe. Amen. 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 Did you get something?